welcome to the Clairon Podcast. In this series, The Narc Behind the Educator, I and fellow narcissism educators discuss and share our own personal journeys with the narcissist and narcissistic abuse in our own lives. Hi, Jacob. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. You have been on for a while. Yeah. Because I've been watching your videos for a while. How long has it been? That's a good question, actually. I think it was 20... I'm like looking at the date right now, just yeah. like fine. Like, okay. <laughs> what year is it? I'm like, <laughs> what year is it? Oh my God. So probably about a year and a, year and a half now, I would say. Okay, so close but to I a couple I started, years. I think I started early 2022. Okay. So you are a self-aware narcissist. I think so, at least. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you felt that there was something different about you? Oh, man. A long time, to say the least. Uh, it's yeah. interesting because, like, I like for most of my life, I knew something was, like, off about me. I had a mm-hmm. lot of separate experiences and feelings that kind of led me to uh, come to that conclusion. What kind of things? Um, I think the... I would say the first thing that, like, really made me, like, my mind kind of be like, huh, that might not be right, is when I went to a funeral when I was, like, really young. Like, I was probably younger than 10. But I remember okay. going there. And they're like, and you know, and everyone's crying and stuff. And I'm just thinking the entire time, oh, all these people are doing it because they feel like they have to, or for attention, or they're just being dramatic. They're very much downplaying the importance of the event. And all my way home, I remember thinking like, you know, it doesn't really make sense that everybody else is kind of faking all that crap. Why would that be? And so I started doing it like, that's why I started actually like trying to research stuff like this. Wow. Is because I was like, oh, well, like, Maybe it's me, actually, but I was never quite convinced. To this day, I'm still not really convinced. (laughs) What age were you when you had this realization with the funeral? Uh, Again, I was younger than 10. I don't remember exactly my funeral. Okay. Interesting. So you were getting that self-awareness from a very young age that something was quite different. Yes. Yes. So when did you get the diagnosis? So it was first proposed when I was like 16 or so. Um, oh, wow. Okay. But I didn't really pay much attention to it because I was a kid. Like, I didn't, I didn't care. I was like, and like, even in the moment, because like I had this violent episode and I was forced into therapy by courts. Um, not by like, not because I like did. Like a physically illegal. violent episode. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't like, I mean, I did do something illegal, but like. Uh, the court system was involved with my family for a long time just because of some of the um, events that happened around us. Um, Not around us, but just within the family dynamic. And so anyway, I was put in therapy and it was like proposed like, oh yeah, you seem to like be developing MPD or you have narcissistic traits. I don't know how they phrase it. I don't know if I was officially diagnosed, but that's when it was first put in my head. And I was like, kind of like, ah, like, who cares? Like, it was like, I was, like, I was young. I was kind of like, yeah, maybe that's a thing. I don't really care. I didn't appreciate the severity of the diagnosis at the time. I didn't understand okay. what it really meant. Um, mm-hmm. In my mind, it was just kind of like, back then, I just kind of thought, oh, this means I think I'm better than people and I manipulate people. And I was kind of just okay, just kind of running with that. I was like, if it is true, who cares? Like, it, that's, yeah. a, that's a bonus. <laughs> more <or less>. Yeah. <laughs> I so was, I noticed um, that narcissists tend to be proud of those tendencies. Yes. Well, I personally, so yes, because uh, I, I have been 
um, at various points in my life mm-hmm. where I'm just kind of like, yeah, I can manipulate people. I'm, I'm awesome in that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm like, I'm so charming and charismatic yeah. and I can, I don't care if I hurt people, whatever. Yeah. I genuinely think though, this might, that's probably a coping mechanism because mm-hmm. for me, it's like, I do still have this feeling of like feeling like a bad person, so to speak. Okay. Like I don't, I feel flawed. Um, and when I do hurt people and if it's pointed out, especially, I feel a lot of shame around it. I feel like I am mm. defective because I can hurt people like that. And I feel like us taking pride in these negative qualities is just a way for us to kind of cope with that innate feeling of badness. The self-protect. Yeah. Yeah. So for the listeners, Jacob and I have spoken before. (laughs) 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 But you had told me that you had a physical, like formal piece of paper diagnosis. Yes. How how recently did you get that? So, well, let me see. I have it right here. <laughs> I keep it on hand. Do you actually? Because, like, I'll be doing, like, a live stream, and people will be yeah. like, you're actually a narcissist. And I'm like, here's the here we go. That was, let's see. So, I've been seeing her since 2019. And this was, so, I was diagnosed in 2021. Okay. That's when I was like, actually took it seriously and thought, yeah, oh, maybe I should really look into these behaviors. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned before that your childhood was a little tumultuous. Yeah. What was your childhood like? Okay. So um, it wasn't pleasant. Uh, I would say that it could be kind of characterized by the fact that like, so um things started to go wrong when i was around five years old i want to say because my mom okay. left my dad for a woman at this point and like okay. you know like and it's like you know that is what it is but after that my dad got very depressed and he was just like he wasn't very available and like his um his anger got very much out of control my mom was too invested in her new relationship to really pay attention to me and my sister that's why both of us kind of developed personality disorders um my sister was there was a lot of drug abuse that ended up happening uh on my sister's side my mom was like i don't want to call her i wouldn't say that she was like an alcoholic but she like mm-hmm. drank a lot um okay. and honest but honestly one of my fondest memories of my family is like getting wasted with my mom on and my sister on halloween when i was like 16. <laughs> wow okay yeah um but yeah there was violence there was and like there's some things that like i only have vague memories of that i'm not really comfortable talking about particularly just because i'm not sure what the reality is but yeah Yeah. it was just a very um it like it bred this need in me to feel like oh i'm independent i don't need anybody i can take care of myself more or less so you feel that your childhood definitely had a really strong impact on how you are today yes uh i would say I genuinely think that, like, personality disorders, it's hard for them to exist without some kind of trauma involved. I think there's a genetic component where it's like you have a predisposition or something, and then it's like the trauma will bring it out. Um, Mm. I've personally never met somebody with a personality disorder that doesn't have some kind of trauma. Mm. I understand. So how do you feel that this affects your relationships with other people in general? 
Uh, uh, negatively, I would say. Um, <laughs> I, I have a hard time um, keeping any sort of relationship going for long periods. Because usually it's like, I, I consider myself pretty charming. I will uh -huh. make very good first impressions on people. But uh -huh. it's like the more that they see of me, the more that I'm kind of ashamed of myself and what they're seeing of me. And that uh -huh. fear of vulnerability can kind of make me lash out. And that happens okay. a lot, especially in romantic relationships. And then in romantic relationships, too, it's always like, I'm like, oh, like, what if this person isn't my soulmate? What if they're not the perfect person for me? What if like, my perfect person is still out there? And it's like mm. one thing that makes this relationship not look perfect will kind of start polluting all my other thoughts. And everything they do will be like viewed through this lens of, oh, this is a reason that we're not compatible. Right. Okay. Um, so this is like the evaluation stage. Yeah so would you say that when you yeah would you say that when you first meet someone you really go through that idealization where you put them on a pedestal and you kind of have this projection of perfection that they're that person that's you know maybe your yeah. soulmates come along and they're going to save you from everything and then cracks start to appear oh, hands down yeah like i like because people uh they kind of paint like the idealization love bombing quotes mm -hmm. as more predatory than it really is at least in my experience now, i'm sure there's people out there who are more predatory about it but me personally and yeah. those people i know they'll be like like i'll i'll meet somebody and usually it's like they'll have some aspect that i envy or i mm. admire like mm -hmm. uh for me a lot of times it's like somebody that i view as like oh they're so nice they're nicer than anybody i've known they're charitable virtuous etc and I'm like, oh, this is like the perfect person to compliment me. This is the person that's like, you know, going to save me sometimes is a mindset that's not as common yeah. for me, but yeah. it happens. Um, it's a very genuine infatuation during that yeah. period. It just doesn't last. Yeah. So there's definitely narcissists that are consciously manipulating and are conscious of what they're doing in the love bombing period, but probably the majority I think would be what you're describing, where you honestly feel like this person is going to be amazing. Yeah, like I, I think I, I again, I think I met my soulmate ninety percent. Yeah, of the time. And yeah. I, and like I would say that you know maybe there's some people more on the malignant side who mm -hmm. are intentionally doing it, but I uh, yeah, I, psychopathic traits. Very few. I I can't think of a time that I've met somebody that like uh, predates consciously. Usually, it's more mm -hmm. of oh, I think I'm in love with this person then devaluation starts and we get like irritated at everything that they do because of the mm -hmm. conflicts thing with ourselves and the shame of not being able to return that love well, at least for me like mm -hmm. i get i feel almost like i feel ashamed of myself a lot of times because they're like like i don't know they'll like they'll be looking at me and they'll be telling me how much they love me and stuff and i'm just not feeling it i just have to like fake it half the time um wow. at least this phase and it makes me like it makes me hate myself a lot i i hate the fact that like i don't know it feels so disgusting it makes it feel inferior makes it feel defective what have you um so but is that there are sorry go sorry, on was no i was basically done <laughs> No, I just wanted to clarify, like you get in the love bombing stage with someone, you think that they're amazing, you build a quick connection, um, and then 
their feelings catch up and they feel like they love you and then they are saying that they love you and expressing it and then you kind of hit a wall where you're like I can't I can't reciprocate this level of feeling yes is that what you mean yes like yeah um yeah that's like generally the kind of track that takes is I start off I'm infatuated I think I'm in love I Mm -hmm. am obsessed person then usually what happens is I like, I get them. And then it's like cool for a little bit until yeah. the first crack appears. And then it's a cascade. And yeah. then during this cascade, they're like expressing all these intimate feelings that I just can't match. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it like makes me feel like a piece of crap generally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How would you describe love? Do you oh, think you so, feel love? That's so hard. Like, True love or my infatuation with people? Um, because I would say my infatuation with people is generally like, like during like the love bombing phase in quotes, when mm-hmm. I think I'm in love with people, it's just a very euphoric feeling, very much mm-hmm. like I am completely invested limerence. in this person. Perfect. Yes, yes. It's basically limerence is how I yeah. experience love normally. But then there's the idealized version of love that I have that I feel yeah. like I can never really that I almost feel incapable of having with somebody, which is yeah. like how I always describe it is like, oh, when somebody unconditional love is when you can hurt somebody over and over again, but you'll always go back to one another. Yeah. Um, okay. And that's something that I feel like I don't feel like that's a healthy version of love, first of all. And second mm-hmm. of all, it's something I feel almost not unworthy of, but like that it's incapable, that kind of love is impossible for somebody to feel towards the real me right mm-hmm. um and i just i don't know it, it, it's a it's a complicated feeling because i like some level i feel fundamentally unlovable i feel like yeah. people can't love um and what about I, what you and- feel to others i find a lot of narcissists their definition of love usually comes down to some form of transaction kind of like you were saying before that i can hurt you over and over again and you're going to come back to me i know that my narcissist described love as uh i have to know that you're going to be there no matter what i have to know that you're going to stand by me no matter what i have to see that you're going to be on my side no matter what and it's not Mm -hmm. a description of love it's a description of a transaction it's um, what do you think about that um like because that makes complete sense to me it's like okay I, like romantically it's a little bit different for me i have a much mm-hmm. more dismissive attachment um uh, okay. uh, that kind of changed from like in terms of platonic relationships especially i am fixated on loyalty i am fixated on the idea of this person has to have my back no matter what and mm-hmm. in my mind it's like it's not like i expect that without reciprocation i think that oh, I would be completely loyal to you. So mm-hmm. you should be completely loyal to me. Like it, mm-hmm. it can be, it can present very weirdly sometimes. Once I, my car, my car battery died mm-hmm. and my, I called my friend being like, hey, I need a, like, I need a jump, like help me out here. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, and she was like, oh yeah, I want to run some errands real quick and I'll be right back and like, I can help you out. And I was pissed off because I was like, if I was in your situation, I would have dropped everything to help you and stuff like that. You like that, that yeah. felt like a betrayal to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Entitled as well. But yeah. I understand. So what normally sets off the devaluation phase 
for you? Is it gradual or is it like a light switch? It's gradual. Um, okay. I think that's a big difference between borderline personality disorder and NPD, if I'm being honest, because uh-huh. like with borderline, they'll flip-flop back and forth constantly. And I do too, to a certain degree. But uh-huh. the evaluation for me, it's usually like, there'll just be one minor thing that mm-hmm. like makes me like question that if this is the perfect relationship, then from there yeah. on out, I'm basically looking out for any sign to confirm that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what I like. I had one relationship where it's like, I got really excited about this video about fucking ants. because <laughs> 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 I, I um, And she wasn't really into it. And mm-hmm. I was like, and that, that's what but literally instantly that's not my soulmate. <laughs> she didn't like ants as much as I did. And I was like, this is proof we're not soulmates. It, it was stupid, but like, yeah. But it, that's it the feeling, anything. right? It sounds silly, yeah. but that's how you feel. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, um, it, and it sucks. Like, I don't like it, obviously, but it's, it, but that's reality. It's just a, like mm. the smallest thing can just cause me to, completely dismiss all the other value that happened in the relationship and just view it through this lens of anxiety. Because like a lot of people view it as like, people are like, oh, they're devaluing you and that's terrible. Yeah, like that Mm -hmm. sucks, obviously. But like, it's anxiety inducing. I'm like afraid that this person isn't my soulmate, basically. Mm -hmm. Like you're wasting your time with the wrong person. Is that why it's anxiety inducing? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I get, so, um, and yeah, so that, I mean, that sucks. <laughs> it happens. It sucks. So you mentioned before that you feel that, you know, love bombing phase and even like kicking off the devaluation is like an innate thing that happens. It's intuitive. It's something that just happens. It's not conscious manipulation. Yeah. But narcissistic relationships and narcissistic abuse are kind of characterized by a level of manipulation and gaslighting mm-hmm. and that sense of doubt that narcissists tend to instill in their partners. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah. What's your experience in relationships with manipulation so, and devaluation? Well, I want to point out that like, I view... It's hard for me a lot of times because it's like I view everything through a lens of manipulation. Like, oh, let's tell say me about that. that. It, like, let's say that, like, my, like, I don't know, let's say I'm working, I don't know, I'm building a fence. This is just an example. Uh, <laughs> this isn't anecdotal. It's just, it's just what I'm using for this. But yeah, somebody yeah. comes over and they're like, hey, like, let me help you out. I know how to do this. I'm not thinking, oh, this person cares about me, so they want to help me. I'm thinking, oh, they're offering this help. Therefore, so that like I will either view them better or that they think that or that or to prove their loyalty to me or because they want to prove they're better at fence working, whatever. I view everyone's motivations through a lens of manipulation. So mm-hmm. it gets kind of hard for me to kind of differentiate what's intentional and not because it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, everything's fucking manipulation at the end of the day. Everything has a yeah. selfish. Yeah. Um, and narcissists and tend say- to project their the way that they think and the way that they see things onto everyone else around them. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. It's like a lot of the times I feel like, um, I have this kind of mindset where it's like, I assume that everyone kind of knows that everyone's kind of out for themselves. Um, and I accept help like that. Right. Even if I think it's some form of manipulation to like win a favor over on me or something. Cause I'm like, I just how the world works. Like it, it just seems obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I think a lot of the times people, because of how manipulative narcissists can be and how we view the world through manipulation, I do feel like a lot of the times the motivations are misconstrued. 
I can see how like a genuine expression would be viewed through that lens of this is probably also manipulation. And then yeah. like, you know, if they do take it back, then they'll fucking manipulate again. So whatever. Yeah. But maybe there's a little variation because I do know of other self-aware narcissists who say that narcissists will cry to manipulate. See, that's interesting to me because like, um, because I would like, I'm not willing to let somebody pity me for manipulation. That made me look too good. Um, yeah. So it's like, if I would go to that, so I'm, I'm sure there are some that do, obviously, like, you know, everyone presents yeah. differently. Yeah, that's it. Like, they present differently. Use different tactics yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But for me, it would be like, so humid, like, uh, there is nothing in the world that I would gain that I would feel worth fake crying about just because of mm. how lowly I do myself for letting mm. somebody see me emotional. Right. Mm. So generally, like, so generally, if I do express emotion like that, it is genuine. But mm. it, but then that can change also because it's like, oh, I cry because I miss this. Like, well, I I, gen I don't cry, but I do. <laughs> but like, not in front of people. Uh, like, let's say, like, an expert, <laughs> and I have an emotional moment, mm. I'll be like, and, like, I end up being emotional like that, and they take me back, the mm. next day, it completely change. Like, I could have zero emotion towards them again, because a lot of times what happens is, if somebody breaks up with me, I feel like they are proving that they are better than me by mm -hmm. breaking up with me. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, well, if I... You have to win the interaction. You still want to be with me. What's up? Is it like you have to win the interaction? Yeah, like, yes, kind of. Uh, it's mm. like, I, if, uh, I, I guess it, like, it kind of comes down to like the idea that if I am superior, then they want to be with me no matter what. If I'm inferior, mm. they'll break up with me and find somebody better. Yeah. So them breaking up with me is proof that they're better. And so I'm trying to prove mm. myself. Like, where, and a lot of times I actually mistake that hit to my ego as heartbreak. Mm. And not to say that, like, it's and not to say it's like, oh, I never, um, and not to say that like, oh, I don't have genuine feelings of like affection towards people, but generally I can, a lot of the times it's just like my ego fucking thrashing and I can't distinguish that pain from a heartbreak. Okay. I understand. Like a narcissistic injury. Yeah, more or less. Well, I, that's what a breakup is. I, I would say, uh, in my experience is that like, oh. You are insulting my ego by breaking up with me because you're trying to say that you're better and you can do better. Mm, okay, that's how you say it. That's how you view it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. What do you think about narcissists uh, misinterpreting facial expressions and tones and perceiving attacks and perceiving disrespect where there isn't uh, any? It, it's interesting. Actually. You're like yeah. nodding. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I do it all. Yeah. I actually have a story about this. I, I'm not sure okay. if I told this last time. So I once oh, had a buddy. Um, so I was at this birthday party and I had a mm -hmm. mutual friend there. Uh, he was dating the girl whose birthday party it was. And I'm like mm -hmm. sitting, I'm having a good time. I'm trying to be charming. Everyone loves me. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And my buddy, Sean, he looked just kind of upset. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of acting off. And mm -hmm. in my mind, I would, I was like, He's mad at me. And like, I'm talking everybody around me, being like, do you think he's mad at me? What did yeah, I do? I didn't do it. And I would get like, huh? yeah, defensive. <laughs> it, was like, it, it was funny because like my mind went to immediately from he must be mad at me to me being mad at him because I didn't do anything wrong. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, it's like, I have to think, why are you mad at me? Like, fuck you. Like, yeah. and like literally, yeah. at the end of the birthday party, me, like, a couple of us are talking and he's like, mm-hmm. and like, I was upset at this point. So obviously something was wrong with me. He's like, Hey, Jacob, you're right. And I was like, no, it isn't. And I flicked him off and then just ran out of the room. <laughs> because you thought he was angry at you. So you got angry at him. Literally. Cause I was like, cause I got mad at him. Cause I was like, I didn't do anything. Why are you mad at me? I didn't do anything, but he wasn't. Um, but that's the thing is that like narcissists view mm. everything so pertinently to themselves it's like somebody's mm. upset about something oh it has to do with me because we view the world so egocentrically um, well i remember telling you that i had an interaction with my narcissist where i had like started crying because i was telling him how much i loved and adored him and i was like i love you and i adore you and he thought i was smirking at him and i was like i'm telling you like how you much i you. love you and you're like think yeah. i'm smirking at you he's like you're disrespecting me and i was blown out of the water I would have. Oh my God! If to I the was listeners, Jacob is face palming pretty hard right now. No, because I, I get it. Because <laughs> you get it. Because <laughs> it's like it's weird seeing both sides of the um, aisle at this point. Because it's like, yeah. On one hand, I'm like, I get what he was thinking. On the other hand, I know how ridiculous that looks from the outside now. Because yeah. if, if like if you did that to me, or like somebody else close to did that to me, I would either think. Oh, you're either mocking me or you're trying mm. to basically guilt or manipulate me into something that you desire. Yeah, right. Yeah, he always thought I was trying to manipulate him. No, I wasn't. That, that, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I, I've talked about this before. It's like, that's what, like, to me, when somebody cries, like, I immediately assume that, like, they're trying to manipulate me or they're just being, or they're overreacting to something or whatever. Like, I can't, it's hard to take those things seriously. Yeah, and I find that, the most common reactions when the long-term partner of a narcissist is crying. The narcissist either thinks that they're trying to manipulate them, they find it frustrating and irritating, they get angry, or they just pretend that they can't even see that you're crying. Yeah, I've done all of those. Um, okay. Like, it sounds bad. It's Tell like, me about that. Okay, so if somebody's crying, I'm like, I have a lot of, I'm like, so my first, my immediate reaction is, Usually, I'm pretty good at discerning whether this is the case or not, but like, I'm assuming, oh, you're trying to guilt. Well, no, I'm not going to discerning it now. I'm thinking about it. But <laughs> I assume that, like, oh, you're listening sympathy, like, you're listening sympathy for me. So I take your side yeah. about whatever is happening or show you yeah. or you need whatever. Um, and then the frustration is usually when I'm like, I'm like, oh, this isn't that big of a deal. We need to fix this situation, but you're busy mm-hmm. crying more. It sounds terrible. I know. Kind of get over it. But yeah, basically, it's kind of like, it's yeah. like, okay, it's not that fucking big of a deal. Let us fix this and move on. And mm-hmm. I feel like the crime is almost inhibiting the ability for us to kind of move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pretending that I don't see it is kind of, I would say that's like kind of a branch or the frustration by it. Mm-hmm. Versus yeah. Uh, oh my god this is annoying to the progress of this relationship i'm just going to pretend i'm just going to kind of ignore it and just like just Mm. continue on um and then what was the last example you gave um either walking uh, out or getting angry oh yeah well like yeah the angry the anger is usually in response to thinking that it's a manipulation thing because it's like oh you think that you can 
like me? Like, how dare you? Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So that lack of empathy, like that ability to feel the other person's pain. You're just looking at it, not feeling it. Yep. Yeah. I don't, I like, it's one of, it's one of the symptoms I don't know that I'll ever like really overcome is that like I, people will be, I can't imagine the idea of somebody crying and then me crying in response to that. It seems like, I don't mean this meanly, but like, it seems almost ridiculous to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that before. Um, Ben Taylor at Raw Motivations has made a few videos about that. He says that now he can see and know what he needs to do. But if someone that he cares about is crying, he's not going to cry with them. I I, like, I just view it kind of like, oh, they're crying. Like, if somebody's crying and it's not, like, I guess it's a little bit different if it's a situation that I, that like, I'm not in conflict with the person. But yeah, they'll Mm -hmm. be like, Oh, like I'm like they'll start crying, and like my mindset isn't. Oh, I feel so sorry for them. It's more of like, how do I get them to stop crying? Like, what do I need mm. to do to fix the situation mm. more or less? Yeah, comfort that. Um, I've been pretty good at that most of my life of knowing what to do, but like, yeah. there's not really a motive behind it. It's just kind of like, oh, I know that I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. I find it's like such a massive double standard for a lot of people because narcissists tend to be quite emotionally labile and they expect their feelings to be addressed, but they're not good at reciprocating that for other people. And they expect that you should not have emotions and you should talk about really difficult things without getting upset, but they can cry, rage, scream, fly off the handle and you have to (laughs) tend to their every little need. <laughs> Honestly, it's something that I'm like embarrassed about if I'm being real because it's like because I, I like I I'm guilty of that hands down where it's like yeah. I I get so uh, but like I get so annoyed at people not sympathizing with me but then I can't mm-hmm. get it right. Um I would say that like but well here's something that I find I find interesting about is that the type of empathy that uh narcissists expect people to kind of exhibit is so different um a lot of the yeah. times it's like i just want to be like heard um mm-hmm. and i kind of run these issues where like i'll have a friend let's say i have a friend that goes to a breakup and she's like upset whatever my mm-hmm. my reaction is to get angry to be like that guy's a piece of shit like you can do better mm-hmm. whatever like okay and then they're and they want like compassion mm-hmm. and i get like and she's like i still love them like i don't like want to hate them and like I get confused, and I'm like, "Oh, right, okay. Um, you know what? Let me change the script real quick." Um, <laughs> and so it's like we expect these. We're projecting our own emotional expectations onto people, and mm-hmm. also getting because we're again we assume everyone's like us, so we're assuming mm-hmm. that the correct thing to do are, are things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then we get mad at everybody else because we're like. Oh, you're not giving me the support that I would expect that I would give somebody else, even though um, even if that's going to be beneficial for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So, what about discards? What about devaluation? We talked about yeah. um, sort of the fantasy of the perfect partner being broken, and the devaluation starts, and then there's a discard or a reverse okay. discard. Uh, so. For me, it's like, like, it's usually, I'll, I'll be real, like, um, I guess I, usually what I would do, at least in the past, um, and hell now to a certain degree, still, would mm-hmm. be 
I do more of a reverse discard sort of thing where I actively, because I don't know why I just have a really hard time breaking up with people like face to face. And so I try to push them away to get them to break up with me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure part of it is like saving my ego from that kind of, from like looking like the bag. Well, not not even that actually. Because like, honestly, like usually when I break up with somebody, I'm kind of like, I just don't want to think about it. Because like mm-hmm. I feel ashamed about it, um, mm-hmm. but I'll push them away so that I don't have to do the act myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, it's just because I get to like a breaking point in that devaluation where I'm like, no, my like this isn't my soulmate. I need out of this relationship. That anxiety mm-hmm. is built built up. I'm stressed. Um, yeah, it's like. I don't know, to me, it, and to me, I guess it's kind of hard to describe this because I'm like, a discard to me just kind of looks like a breakup in my mind. <laughs> yeah, okay. What about hoovering? Have you, like, broken up with someone and then started to re-idealize them and gone back and hoovered them back into a yeah. relationship? Yeah, tell me about that yes. process from your point of view. Usually, what ha- like, for me at least, what happens is that I'm... So I broke up with somebody and, you know, the devaluation. And at first I'm relieved. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, fucking, I'm out of that. I can finally find my soulmate. Mm -hmm. And then it's weird. I'll like, I'll just be like sitting and thinking or like drinking or whatever. And I'm like, oh no, that was a really good person for me. That was a perfect person. And when I reach out to them, it's usually, I, I will never like reach out to somebody and be like, Hey, I think we should have a relationship again. Usually I'm kind of like trying to kind of test the waters and see mm-hmm. like what they think about me or what they're thinking about me. And I'll mm-hmm. find some stupid excuse to be able to do that. Um, and based on that is kind of how that goes from that. Usually I I I usually don't get back together with them, but also it's just that it's hard for me to let people out of my lives. Like mm-hmm. I if somebody leaves me, it's like a loot. I don't know. It's like losing a limb almost like Mm -hmm. the people in my life are like, though I have basically devalued them to the point of just being a projection of my own insecurities. Mm -hmm. There's still this need for them to be around and I can really fixate on that. Uh, And like, I will have like fantasies about either getting either like reconciling with them or like Mm -hmm. pseudo revenge fantasies where like I'll go off on them about like, whatever um because i'm also at the time still trying to rationalize in my mind trying to say oh they were terrible they were terrible the entire time i was mm-hmm. perfect they hurt me in this way mm-hmm. whatever um it's weird it's it's one of the things that's hard for me to explain it, uh, articulately if i'm being honest <laughs> i understand yeah because i know that narcissists do like to keep tabs on their exes and reach out sometimes and keep them in their lives in some sense if you were yeah if you were never if you were part of my life it's Mm -hmm. unlikely that you'll ever not be part of my life and how i view myself i suppose interesting tell me about that like you'll keep reaching out or like people just become not even that like you're part of like the narrative at that point. like ah uh, god this is hard to describe i think i'm part of a really um, ugly narrative in my narcissistic exes and that show that and that and that's a well that's the thing is that like i can't comprehend the idea of 
somebody being estranged from me and not Uh hating me. So it's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I was just talking to someone about this recently and we're saying that it's sad that with the black and white thinking and the all good or all bad and the lack of object constancy. So it's this concept of not being able to love someone while you're angry with them or love them while you're hating them. And that, you know, narcissists think that everyone thinks that way. And we were talking about how it was sad that even though we're really hurt and terrible things happen in the relationship, that we still have love for that person Mm -hmm. and they'll never understand it because they think that we hate them. Yep. You're like, hands down. I I recently had... About a, a little while ago, it's, I guess it wasn't recently now. It's been like, you have the time, sorry. But like, I had a friend who like, we were talking about a, somebody that I used to be, I used to have a uh, relationship with mm. and they were describing me as like, they don't hate you. Like they just don't trust you and they don't feel like you're healthy, happy in your life. And it mm. would like, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, wait. The only reason you wouldn't be talking to me is if you hate me, though, right? And then they were like, Interesting. no. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. a, like the idea that people can care about me from afar is very Hi. foreign. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So what are some of the worst things that you feel like you've done in a relationship? Oh, man. I mean, I've cheated before. Um, okay. I've, uh, I'll be, I'll be honest, like the worst things I've done haven't been in romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It's been me getting physically aggressive with people that I was either family members with or mm-hmm. uh, had platonic relationships with. Okay. Um, those were messy. Um, the like usual and like, cause like, and like usually it's hard and it's hard for me to kind of like really wrap my mind around how I've hurt my partners. Because my actions felt so justified during the time. Yeah. And a lot of like they're like I like I have this one ex who like said how I made her feel replaceable, worthless, mm-hmm. like mm. never, I never intended to make her feel like that. It was just mm-hmm. I was so just I never intended. It. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, and that's not an excuse. I have a whole video this. on this. <laughs> <laughs> but like it wasn't an excuse or anything. I just really did not realize like how I was making her feel unloved. Mm. Um, and in retrospect, I was like kind of fascinated by it. And it's hard for me to really pinpoint what I did specifically to make her feel like that, just mm. because it was just so natural to me. It's just like how. Yeah. Um, See, mine just took that as a straight up attack. Any kind of like, you did this to hurt me, you did this to hurt me. He's like, you're oh, attacking yes. me and you're causing me everlasting damage just by telling me like, these things that I did. And it's like, well, imagine having them done to you. Yeah. Let me put it this way. Um, trust me, that's, yeah, I would have been the same thing. Like, the only yeah. reason that I could hear that is because, like, I was diagnosed when I, when she told me these things. Like, after, like, I, like, okay. basically, I was trying to, like, sign men's and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I basically messed her being like, hey, I was kind of a piece of shit, whatever. Um, and he echoed those sentiments, so I was able to like kind of what I didn't immediately go on the attack, but not 99 percent of the time. If you point out something I did wrong, I'm thinking, Oh, you're trying to make me feel like a piece of shit, you're trying to shame me right now. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Whereas it's actually a bid for connection and a bid for intimacy. Interesting, that's an interesting way to phrase it. I gotta keep that in yeah. mind actually because you want uh, the other person to understand you so that you can improve the connection that's so interesting like i literally don't like that doesn't even occur to me like half the time 
like I yeah. like I kind of get it. I, it's yeah. weird. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know. Like people point out things I do wrong, and I'm like, oh, you just want me to feel bad and shit like that. It's like, mm. oh, I kind of expect people kind of like just if we're not active, if I'm not actively hurting you, I kind of assume mm. that they just won't do anything. Like they, like, it sounds so. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, this sounds so stupid. I'm like, okay, okay if I'm not actually ahead. hurting somebody, it's yeah. like, oh, then the situation's over, we're fine. And then them bringing mm-hmm. up later, me feels like an attack. Yeah. This is another massive double standard that I find is that narcissists generally, they want you to forgive and forget very quickly anything that they've done. Apologize, it's over, never bring it up again. But yet there's mm-hmm. always a running tally of all of the things that they feel the other person has done. They keep... Uh, yeah they keep time they continue to bring things up it's like so for me it's like it was always kind of like oh like oh you're attacking me with this thing that i did that because to me like i could Mm -hmm. you could have done something a fucking year ago um Mm -hmm. and like you know i'll fucking forget about it well i won't forget about it but i'll yeah you know i'll ignore it and then when you bring up something that i did you know an hour ago to me, those things feel the same amount of relevance. So I'm yeah. like, oh, you're attacking me for something I did an hour ago. Well, you did this thing, which in our mind justifies it a lot of times. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. But see, sometimes I'll like be talking, like I'm in this state right now where like I'll be talking mm-hmm. about this, all this stuff. And I realize how ridiculous it sounds when I say my mm-hmm. thought process out loud. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's stupid. But yeah, like, uh, but yeah it's like. Justific- like these justifications of like, oh, like your narcissist maybe cheated on you and then the narcissist justifies it because you smirked at them one time three years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Um, I, listen, I got a good justification for that, let me tell you. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, that's, You've got a justification it, for that. <laughs> like, I, it's, it's rough. It's like, yeah. Um, like, I've... Yeah, it's weird because it's like uh, one of the things that like I found myself doing a lot is like, oh, well, like you deserve what I did because you did this, even if it's completely disproportional. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't like. <laughs> it's it like, feels proportional, um, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. To you. Like, you're not enough yeah. time. Yeah. Like, and th- I mean, there's been times in my life where, like, I definitely known that it wasn't proportional, but I was, like, okay. feeling ashamed and attacked, so I was defending myself any way that I could. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, generally speaking, it feels, like, proportional. It's like, oh, well, especially when I'm rationalizing, like, I go through a breakup or something, and, like, they're pointing out bad things that I did, and then mm-hmm. at first I feel ashamed, and then I think, well, but they did this, so, like, whatever, like, the scores even yeah okay yeah i understand so how do you handle sort of feedback now depends how it's phrased <laughs> Typically. Depends how it's phrased. okay <laughs> i'm still very Does... prone to like feeling attacked but yeah. i try to give benefit of the doubt nowadays and mm. honestly <laughs> The best that, um, how I've kind of coped with it the best is that, like, oh, let's say somebody criticizes me and mm-hmm. I take it as an attack, right? 
I'm going to reply in a way that's nice because I'm like, oh, I'm going to look like a better person then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I think it's an attack. But where's so, that ulterior motive? Is that like the... <laughs> Huh? Is that like that ulterior motive that's always there? Like this is going to make right. me look like a better person. Yeah. More or less. And like, yeah. it, that's how I rationalize a lot of my actions. Is I kind of have to like reframe them into like almost manipulate. Like I take honest, like I was just talking to somebody about this the other day of <laughs> like, oh, like, you know, showing your weaknesses and being honest is like intrinsically, mm-hmm. like not a narcissist. It's like intrinsically like putting yourself at a disadvantage. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, here's the thing. You have a one-up on people if you tell the truth. Because it's, it's, yeah. so, it's so crazy saying this out loud. But it's like, you have a one-up on people if you tell the truth. Because then you don't have to like think of ways around that and everything. So literally, I basically rationalize healthy behaviors and behaving health, healthily by framing them as a form of manipulation. Yeah. I know that. This sounds so crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I think I'm telling the truth can be like a manipulation. It's like you can say something unflattering. Like a lot of narcissists will tell on themselves in the early stages of the relationship, like saying that they've cheated in all of their previous relationships. But then people yeah. are like, oh, but he's he or she is being truthful. They're telling me the truth about it. So for some reason, people think that that means they can trust the person, even though the person's openly telling them that they're untrustworthy. Yeah, I've fucking done that before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and then there's this added benefit of what, yeah, it sounds bad calling it a benefit, but there's this added component of me being mm. like, then the relationship ends poorly. And it's like, it's like I told you what I was. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, what led you to start? Sorry, were you going to say something? No, no, I'm good. What's up? Okay. <laughs> You're going to say something. What led you to start educating about NPD online? Uh, a combination effect. Like the first one was I was just in a bad space in time. And like mm-hmm. I had, I was kind of isolated. I had recently, um, I didn't really have an event. And I recently had lost a friend basically to my, to like the conception about my disorder. So I basically had mm-hmm. motivation. One, I wanted attention obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted to be able to event. And I was also frustrated by some of the misconceptions around it. Um, okay. Some of the malice attributed, I thought was like very unfair and also left, left me misunderstood by people mm-hmm. that I was close to at the time. Mm-hmm. So I started like a crusade to like, you know, be like, yeah, narcissists aren't quite like you think, like there are only hurt people like 100%. Uh, but mm-hmm. like, it's not like we're monsters trying to exploit people for the sake of exploiting, at least most of the time. I'm sure there are some, mm-hmm. but I had a very big motivation to um, try to alleviate some of the misinformation that I saw everywhere. And again, in fairness, I, it, my motivations over time did change just because like, I was surprisingly impacted by some of people's stories and like... Mm-hmm. Like I like I, I bring this up all the time, but there was this woman who like her she went no contact with her mother who was a narcissist, mm-hmm. and because everyone was like telling her to do that, it's like you know, mm-hmm. it was um, and then her mom died, and she like had a lot of grief regarding mm-hmm. it and guilt, and didn't really know how to and like really dove into narcissism again, and then she came across my stuff, and she left a comment basically being like oh, like, it never really made sense to me, this idea that my mom was this master manipulator who was always trying mm-hmm. to, like, hurt people. 
but yeah. it makes way more sense for it to be this desperate need for self-esteem regulation. Mm-hmm. And like that, and like, and she said that like that gave her peace and everything. And I was like, okay, that made me feel something. I don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> it made me feel something. And so um having your heart just grew two sizes like the Grinch. <laughs> literally, like that's what it felt like. I was I remember like working at my computer and just being like, oh, oh God, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but yeah, like so it's like I it's also nice to explore it's nice to explore that altruism because it's like mm. Usually when I'm nice, it feels fake because I'm in the back of my head. Even when I'm trying my best to be altruistic, it's like, mm. oh, I know that I have it. I know that I'm like benefiting from this. I have an interior motive. Um, wow. But when it's on accident, then it's like, you know, it's like I, it can't be manipulative. And mm-hmm. so it's been a for that, I guess. That was mm-hmm. a tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Do you feel like you get supply out of your channel? Yeah. Hands on. Um, I again, not the only thing uh, that I get from it. No, but and also it's like at the same time I also get an equal amount of like narcissistic injury, so to speak. Also, Mm -hmm. I prefer self juice for supply, but (laughs) say that again. I prefer self esteem juice instead of supply. Self esteem juice. Okay, (laughs) that's why. That's my term. I'm like dedicated to making into like Self-esteem a thing. Same juice. I will try to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, like I get an equal amount of like I get an equal amount of uh narcissistic injury from this. Like, mm. you know, people and that, they're mean, right? And mm. a lot of people kind of view it in this way of like, oh, if a narcissist is too grandiose, it's like, yeah, come down the size, right? And it's like mm. if you have a cup of water and the self-esteem juice is in the wa- is in the cup, mm. right? Like, oh, you give them a narcissistic injury, you're pouring a little bit out. No, that's, I think that's how it works for normal people, question mm-hmm. mark. But if you give a narcissist a narcissistic injury, like, it's just pouring, it's putting a hole in the bottom of the cup. Right. Okay. So it's empty. like, yeah, like, it, like, I completely dive into self-hate a lot of time. Or I, it's either self-hate or anger, like, one of the two. Mm. Um, and so it's like, Oh, no, I was just going to ask you, like, how do you feel about educators like myself and honestly, most others that do say that narcissists are monsters and evil and all this kind of stuff? How does that make you feel? Do you, does it kind of, is it water off a duck's back at this point or do those things still hurt you? At first, it really bugged me. Um, yeah. Like people calling it, like, like, is it like the people that were uh, much more, um, vocal about saying, "Oh, we're demons, whatever." Mm-hmm. Like at first, it was, long, it, but yeah, it, yeah. But at first, it like it bugged me. Nowadays, mm-hmm. I kind of grew, kind of I grew a tolerance for it purely because I was kind of like, "Well, like these are people who went through crap, and they're coping with mm-hmm. it, and they're trying to like help other people." I mm-hmm. get where they're coming from now. It's kind of, mm-hmm. And like, I, I, honestly, I don't know if I would have ever gotten there if it weren't for the fact that my sister has BPD. Um, okay. And like, for a long time, I hated anybody with borderline personality disorder because of that. Because I was like, oh my God, they're all fucking monsters and crazy, whatever. Interesting. Um, yeah. Eventually, I was kind of, yeah, uh, eventually, I was kind of like, I kind of like made my peace with it. But I know how that anger 
um, is like an important step of healing. Mm. And so while I like, if somebody says something just like blatantly untrue, like, like I've seen people say like, oh, like, I don't know, like narcissists don't have it gone through trauma or something like that. That might piss yeah. me off. But yeah, like, because it, it's so wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but if they're or like saying it's not a mental illness or saying they're demons, whatever, that stuff will make me mad. But like, mm -hmm. you could say some wretched crap about narcissists, and I'll as long as I don't view it as like just blatant misinformation, I'll just mm -hmm. kind of be like, I get it. Like, like I don't agree, but I get it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think like there's just um, there's such a high level of self-directed thinking that I've yep. found on my own platform that I have had narcissists DM me and get very upset about their experience as being a narcissist. And it's so yeah. self-directed that they're getting so upset that someone's criticized them that they're not paying attention to all of the horrific things that narcissists have actually done to others because of that lack of empathy. Yeah. I, uh, I have mixed feelings about it. Cause it's like, on one hand, I, I, I get like, like we're very prone to shame. So I get like them mm. feeling like, like most people personally attacked by like a general statement um, that may not even apply to us. It feels yeah. like a lot of time, but and like I, and this is something I've actually criticized um, too. Is like these people who they talk about personality disorders, not destigmatizing them, which I I support, I agree with, but mm -hmm. they want to, but they also feel like pointing out the toxic behaviors that we do is hurting, destigmatizing. Basically, they're like, yeah. oh, like if you point out we can hurt people, we're not stigmatizing. And I'm like, okay, it's more nuanced than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and it's like, I feel like there is an in-between that a lot of people don't really get to where it's like, okay, we can acknowledge that narcissists are people and they are hurting, but also mm -hmm. acknowledge that they hurt other people and they have work to do themselves. That is their responsibility, not other people around them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very difficult to kind of navigate that space when everyone in the situation is hurt. Right. Like if, if somebody's making content about narcissists and after being in a relationship with one, they went through some trauma. Narcissists, I would say almost universally have gone through trauma themselves. And mm -hmm. it feels like people are trying to take sides in a non-existent battle or at least a battle that shouldn't exist. Because it's like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're all fucking hurt people. We're trying to heal, trying to understand what is yeah. going on with us. We went through. Um, I don't know. It's like the narcissists that are self-aware and trying to heal yeah yes, yes most narcissists yeah, like, aren't trying to heal well i'm yeah i'm like because i i'm really speaking to like basically uh those kind of people just because i imagine those are people that get all like oh my god you're being stigmatizing and shit like that mm. or the ones that are self-aware but yeah whatever yeah so what advice would you give to someone who's in or getting out of a narcissistic relationship um so I always recommend the book, uh, Disarming the Narcissist by Wendy T. Berry. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're like, she wrote it specifically for people who have like family members who are narcissists or they're co-parenting mm -hmm. with them or, um, or hell, they're just in a relationship that they don't want to leave and they're still trying to work on. Uh, mm -hmm. Really good book um, and give some good advice for that. 
Um, if they're leaving the relationship, oh God, I don't know if I have any actually really good advice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want like, to do it quietly, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, really Yes. <laughs> I, but I, it, it's like, I don't know. Um, it's because I'm trying to think of a way that somebody would leave me that would like be the most cordial. Um, uh-huh. oh, that's a that's a tall order to fill. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about for a narcissist that's questioning if there is something happening with them, starting to wonder about themselves? Sure. Um, if if somebody suspects they're a narcissist, I would. Well, one, I would advise, for, like, first and foremost, therapy always helps. Mm-hmm. Um, there are narcissists that are in therapy, though, and the therapist is not aware, and they are not having their issue addressed. Yeah, because fucking therapists have time to know what the fuck is going on, I swear to God. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say, yeah, like, but, if but here's the thing, is that, like, if somebody is serious a therapist about, that understands personality disorders, yeah, that's also important. Please, like, yeah, yeah. like, like that's a first step. Life. Yeah, um, but I would also say that, like, at that, like, somebody who is suspecting they're a narcissist, a lot of this mm-hmm. isn't universal. Like for me personally, mm-hmm. when I was diagnosed, I was like kind of proud of it. I was like, yeah, I'm a narcissist. That's really awesome. Yeah, but a lot of narcissists, <laughs> when they find out they're narcissists, fall into like this like shame spiral being like i'm a terrible okay. person i like hurt all these people but they self-isolate right mm-hmm. um and so for, for somebody that's suspecting they're a narcissist if you're not in treatment right now and you're not getting diagnosed you're not like addressing these issues i think the first thing to focus on really is don't focus on the label it's like maybe you're a narcissist maybe you aren't you obviously know that you have issues right mm-hmm. you know that there are these issues that need to be addressed focus on what's hurting you and possibly the people around you and focus mm-hmm. on fixing those or you fixate on a label that might just make you feel like a piece of crap more or less yeah. um because it's like uh, mental health psychology it's not a perfect science we have mm-hmm. rough categories to try to encapsulate uh certain populations of people that have mm-hmm. um varying levels of success <laughs> but, mm-hmm. it's, but it's like if you're working on the things that are like impacting your life and people around you that's mm-hmm. more than 99 of people will do <laughs> Maybe yeah. not 99%, you know I mean. yeah. <laughs> so what are your social media handles where can people find you i am the nameless narcissist i am everywhere except for facebook because mm-hmm. i hate facebook um, <laughs> I hate Facebook as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't stand it. I, I just don't get it. I, I'll go on there every now and then just to look myself up to see if people are talking about me. <laughs> but yeah, just Google the name of Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my self esteem juice by knowing people are, oh, look how important I am. People on Facebook are talking <laughs> But yeah, um, look me up, The Nameless Narcissist. I'm on, like, if you Google me, I'm on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, um, Twitter. I don't, I'm not very active there, though. Um, you'll find me. I have articles about me if you want to read me in the Scientific American, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah. Yeah. The Nameless Narcissist. I'm awesome. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Jacob. It was a really good chat. Of course. Thank you. I'm glad that you had me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy this series, leaving a review helps others find the podcast. For more insights and resources, you can visit ClaireAuden.com or follow me on TikTok and Instagram at ClaireAuden. Stay safe and see you again in the next episode.